This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 667 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Horse Report System, and Trust Design. On today's USDF episode, we are joined by Christian Brown, who clarifies a couple of rules for us. After that, Gwen Ka-Aba-Loa talks about becoming an S-judge. And to top the show off for Mother's Day, we're going to talk to Jody Kelly's mom, Lori. Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Well, hi, Phil. Happy Derby Week. It is a <laughs> holiday here and Mother's Day. It's a big week this week. No, it's my birthday, and that is all. That is right. It's your birthday. Happy birthday, On Phil. Derby Day. On, on Derby, Derby Day. Day. Every, every few every, years, it, it lands yeah. on the Saturday. That's right. I can't so. remember the year you came. I know we celebrated your birthday. That's right. We did. Yeah, we just celebrated extra hard because it was Phil's birthday. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Oh, happy birthday week. I know. I wish you were coming down. We always have big time. We've gone to the Derby and it's, it's, it's a great week in Kentucky. Like it is, there's so much going on and uh, we just finished, you know, the Land Rover event, which was, it was so. Talk to us about that. Yeah, we want to know. Inquiring minds. I know. Inquiring mind. So um, I, USDF was very kind and asked me to represent dressage at the champions live, um, which I've done one other time. And I, I got just, it was a thrill to sit with Margie Engel. You know, here I'm sitting on stage with Margie Engel and I'm thinking, literally, this is one of the best riders in history. <laughs> she was mm-hmm. a rider of the year at WEF and she is so kind and lovely. So we had a really good time chatting about what it's like to be a professional rider. And unfortunately, the uh, there was an event rider that was supposed to come and, and she at the last minute wasn't able to come. So uh, we kind of held the stage. But, um, you know, again, I was really awestruck by Margie and she's so lovely. And just to hear her story, I think, you know, just listening to any professional riders and in an Olympian, any Olympian, I, I mean, I, as you know, I, I love anything Olympics and just any sport and how riders or, or any sportsman gets there. And it's just such a cool story. And to be sitting with a legend is like even better. It's intimidating. I was intimidated, guys. Like it was really, but it was fun. So that was on Friday. And then, you know, it was the biggest shopping they've ever had, <laughs> which I kept hearing. And I was like, what do you mean? It looks the same to me until I went over the hill and there was a whole nother like parking lot full. And I was like, Oh my, there's more. So it was amazing. My, I was pretty disciplined with my credit card. Yeah, not, not, not great for the old credit card. Yeah. But, uh... <laughs> yeah. My friend, a good friend of mine, she goes, my credit card is on fire. <laughs> and I mean, it was great, but she got some amazing things. It was so funny. Uh, she'll know she's a listener. She's going to laugh when, when I give her a shout out for the credit card. So we had great fun. And then honestly, the highlight, we, um, we did tailgate on Saturday for, for cross country. And, um, my niece and nephew went with me and well, as if we went as a, a unit, as a family with their family and, um, my niece, cause it's been 
you know, three, this was three years, right? And for them, that's a long time. And my nephew, we took him, but he, and my, and my niece too, my niece was still for sure in, in the carriage, but yeah, he was like, this is the coolest event. It was so cute. <laughs> he had the best time because he likes horses, but he's, he's more into the tractors and he likes maintenance of farms, which of course is amazing for, for those of us who own farms. <laughs> and um, so he likes to drive tractors and, and be a part of it. And he knows about horses, but he had a blast. And so it was so fun, like taking him around to the jumps. He was like, oh my gosh, the whistle, you know, they whistle when they're coming. And he just loved it. It was, it was so fun to see it through his eyes. Cool. My yeah, niece, yeah. she loved the briar tent and um, maybe we got some glittery stuff at the main and tail booth. <laughs> she was like, yeah, she was like, they have samples <laughs> and they were so sweet. Right. Um, she got a lot of samples. And thank goodness for the pony club booth because we were losing some steam, but the pony club booth came out with some lollipops. Saved my life. <laughs> Cause my niece needed go. a a little pick me up. So there it was it was right. great fun. So um if anybody's ever in the area, you know, it's it's you just respect. I mean, that what these horses and riders do, it's pretty amazing. So it was a great week. And then, um, we're getting set for Derby. Um, we don't have any big plans this year. Just, just hanging out with some friends. Um, Phil's friends too. We're going to get together, I think, and do a, a little, a little thing. COVID's pretty, um, there's a lot of COVID in Kentucky right now. So we're uh, all kind of, kind of staying, staying close to home. Yeah, no, and, no reason to, to go and visit the infield then. No, I don't think this year I would visit the infield. <laughs> oh, you know, uh, yeah. So, That's crazy. um, so yeah, I can't imagine going actually, but, um, we've been, Phil and I have been many years ago at this point, uh, but it's fun. So I hope everyone enjoys their derby week has a mint julep or some bourbon on, on the great state of Kentucky. So, um, and, or get some roses and, and just enjoys. It's just fun to see any horse sport. Um, I love it. They talk about it on the today show and, you know, anywhere right now in Kentucky, it's hard to, to go out to dinner or anything. Cause there's a lot of guests that are here and we love it. So it's a fun week. So, um, but we'll, we're, we have a great show. We're really excited about today's show. So we'll get the party started right after this commercial break from Kentucky Performance Products. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Feeding your horse starch-laden grains can lead to colic, laminitis, and metabolic disease. Today, nutritionists are recommending the use of high-quality fat to provide healthy calories. Fat is an extraordinary energy source. It's readily utilized by the horse and contains more than two times the calories of starchy grains. Replacing grain with a high-quality fat supplement reduces a horse's risk of developing health problems. Equijoule Stabilized Rice Bran is an excellent fat supplement. It contains a balanced calcium to phosphorus ratio and won't cause mineral imbalances when added to the diet. Its all-natural ingredients are high in healthy fat and fiber. And best of all, horses fueled by Equijoule stay calmer and more focused on the job at hand. When you need to add healthy calories to your horse's diet, choose Equijoule. To learn more, visit Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com.
Founded in 1973, the United States Dressage Federation has become the largest organization to represent a single Olympic equestrian discipline. At nearly 30,000 members strong, USDF is your connection to dressage education, competition, and achievement. Visit usdf.org to learn more about USDF education, competition and award programs, and to shop our online store. Again, that's usdf.org, your online destination for dressage. Well, tonight for our USDF episode, we have Kristen Brown. She is Senior Competitions Coordinator with USDF on the line this month. Kristen, welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you. It's so good to be here. I know it is fun and we're getting ready for competition season. So we just wanted to talk to you a bit, a little bit about the year end award program. And then also we're going to have kind of a rules clarification on the consecutive level rule. So I'll hand it over to you. Okay. Well, within the USDF year end awards program, just wanted to remind all our listeners that we have the consecutive level rule. And this is also applicable to all the divisions within our All Breeds Awards as well. And, and basically, the rule is that in the same competition year, and this is for awards for horses, which is separate, and then it's a horse-rider combination for the awards for the rider, like adult amateur, junior rider, and vintage cup, that the horse or the horse-rider combination may only be eligible to be ranked in the final year-end award standing at a maximum of two consecutive levels, and USDF defines consecutive levels per the USEF rule DR119.2. And then it goes on to say, if a horse or horse rider combination meets that criteria to be ranked in the final standings in more than two levels in the same competition year, the horse or horse rider combination will only be ranked at the highest level and if qualified at the next consecutive level to the highest level. And within our, uh, our, our year-end awards program, we have the same deadline to submit any score corrections, which is October 15th every year. Our competition year ends on September 30th. Score corrections must be submitted to USDF by October 15th at 5 p.m. USDF reviews all of the applicable year-end and all-breed standings in the preliminary standings after the October 15th deadline. And prior to the standings being finalized, we will remove any rankings that are in direct violation to the consecutive level rule. Why I bring that up is very important because it is possible that a horse or a horse rider combination can appear in the preliminary standings throughout the year at different times in more than two consecutive levels. But then when the rankings become final after October 15th, they would only appear in two levels. And so that just wanted to make sure that everybody was clear that that deletion of those additional standings happens at the very end of the program. Okay. So I just have a, a quick question. So let's say I'm showing, I'm, I'm, I'm making this all up, but let me, okay. let's say I'm showing a Connemara and I'm ranked at first, second, and third level. I would only be able to get year-end awards at either first and second or second and third, but not so first and third. Yeah. Can you help us with that example? Sure. I just came up with one. Sure. That is perfect. So, for example, if a horse is competing, say, at first and second levels, meets those requirements, and then in the middle of the competition year, the rider moves up to third level, 
And then they also meet those requirements at third level. And then prior to October 15th, that horse is in the standings at first, second, and third levels. After the October 15th deadline, when we review all of the standings, third level would be the highest ranking. And then the next consecutive level ranking to that would be second level. So the horse would stay at its third level ranking. It would stay at its second level ranking. And the first level rankings would be removed. We go with the highest ranking and then the next consecutive ranking or level ranking. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. That I like that. That was, again, I hope that was kind of clarified for everybody. The, how that works. We don't, you you don't get a choice um, because we want it to be fair to everybody. You know, so if the horse was ranked at first, second, or third, you can't choose first and second or Mm -hmm. second and third. We, everybody goes with the highest level and then the next consecutive level. Yeah. So that's good to know as you're planning your show season, right? So if you're like, correct, you know, I'm really highly ranked at first and second level. And maybe you don't want to do all your scores for third level just as a, or after the deadline or however. That yeah, goes. exactly. Or, or ride under a judge where, you know, maybe the score won't be counted because you have enough scores under that judge or ride, you know, um, in October after October 1st, mm-hmm. when the new competition year starts. I mean, there's, there's yeah. a lot of ways to, circumvent that so that you don't appear in the standings or you could ride at third level and just get seven scores and not eight. And so then you wouldn't, you know, meet those score requirements. But yeah, we we always hate when we have to remove anybody's standings, but we do want to do our absolute best to maintain a level playing field whenever, when all possible. Yeah, no, I think that that makes total sense. And and, and just something, that's why we wanted to talk about it. So everybody was really clear as you go for your show season this year, uh, you know, make sure again, we always stress that, check the rules. Uh, this has been, this rule has been in place, hasn't it? It's not. It's been in place for over 10 years. Yeah, yeah, it's not a new rule. It's just no essentially being enforced now. <laughs> um, well, well, it, it can come into play, it, I think, if you're, if you go ahead and do like a, winter show season and then a summer show season in which, you know, at some point you move up or, or, you know, however that goes for you, you know, you could start, you know, showing in December at first level and be like, okay, I'm, you know, and you're a new combination, you know, horse rider, but the horse is more experienced. And then throughout, you know, throughout the entire year, you start to move up in the levels without realizing that, um, you know, your, your first level scores are going to be in jeopardy because you've, you're getting to know the horse, you're going to do lots of shows and, you know, whatever. And, and, and so it's something to look at, you know, it's up to everybody to be informed about the rules so that, you know, you don't, you know, you don't see yourself the next October and like, oh, I was ranked really high at first level. And then like, oh, and then now you're going to call Kristen to complain about it or call someone at USDF and complain. That's, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's fair, <laughs> yeah. right? It's fair. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So well, this, this consecutive level rule has been in place for, for more than 10 years. But it got a little bit hairy when intermediate A and B were introduced by the FEI because then intermediate one and two were no longer considered consecutive levels. So that's another thing I want to bring to your listeners' attention that, you know, with with FEI, yeah, with the intermediate A and B, I1 and I2 are not consecutive consecutive. levels. And so if 
if you are in the standings at I1 and I2 because you didn't ride intermediate A and intermediate B, we will remove those I1 standings. Oh, that's good to know. That actually applies okay. to me directly. <laughs> I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, that actually does apply to me. So, because I yeah, we, we do, disqualified at I1. Yeah. But, but I was hoping we to do, do like not have, hmm. you know, our awards committee is very diligent and they review the, the statistics for different awards and different participation at levels on a regular basis. And they have reviewed this, the statistics for those individuals riding intermediate A and B. And there's just not a lot of participation there. And Mm-mm. that's why it's important because while intermediate one and intermediate two are levels within our year end awards program, intermediate A and intermediate B are not. If you ride intermediate one and intermediate two, they're still considered consecutive levels. No, as long as you don't no, do not as and not as defined as dr one one nine point two they are not consecutive levels, so uh, that's why I was bringing this to the listener's attention to remind yeah. them that even though you might ride at i one you might ride at i two if mm-hmm. you appear in the standings at both going yeah, mhm, oh, that's good to know for myself. Literally. Oh, interesting. Well, good, because I don't yeah. I don't want to be Reese will be knocking down your door. I'll be knocking down the door. The, I'll come out I'll, I'll, and... I'll take a drive to the office. It's about 10 minutes from my house. So yeah. No. Well, that's good to know because it that that I would I would personally have done that. And I yeah. Yeah. So, good to know. Well, see, the good this, news this is, is why we that... do this. This is for me, everybody. Thanks for listening to my question. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good news is is it it, while it does affect a very few individuals within our year-end awards program, it's not a large number of placings that we're cutting, but we would really be loving it if we didn't have to cut any placings at all. We want everybody to get all the accolades and, and be in the standings for all of the scores and and all of the placings that they've achieved. So that's why I'm trying to, to bring everybody to this, you know, this to their attention. So that they can, you know, make sure that they fall within the rules yeah. and we don't have to pull any. I love it. Well, Kristen, if anybody has any more questions, potentially myself, how can they find you online? It's very easy. Um, just email me at cbrown at usdf.org or you can just email awards if it's easier at usdf.org or you can call me at the office. I'm there Monday through Friday. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for clarifying this. This was awesome. Thanks, guys. I really enjoyed being on the show. Tired of scrolling through texts, flipping through a calendar, or rummaging through folders in the tack room to find the information you need? It's inefficient, time-consuming, and frustrating. Why not have everything you need to know about your horses in the palm of your hand? From vet reports and training logs to care notes and photos, All that important information is immediately available to you on Horse Report System. Our field-leading dashboard means that nothing is more than a couple of clicks away. With monthly subscriptions starting at just $9.99, there is a plan that is right for you and your team in the stable. Go to horsereportsystem.com to learn more and get a free trial. Well, tonight for our USDF episode, we are so excited to have Gwen 
Kavavaloa from Colorado. She is a newly licensed S judge. That's a huge accomplishment and a USDF certified instructor through fourth level. Welcome to the show, Gwen. Hello, everybody. I I worked really hard on your last name, so I hope I got it right. So, but we are close enough. Okay, (laughs) I love it. But we're so happy to have you, and we are even more thrilled. There was a great S judge license program in Wellington. We saw you guys up getting getting you know doing the program. Uh, So tell us a little bit about yourself and getting that license is a huge deal. So we wanted to congratulate you as well. Well, thank you. So I've been involved in dressage since I was young because my mother was from Germany and dressage was a base of riding. Um, didn't become serious about dressage till I was in my 20s. And that's because I was focused on eventing. Once I became serious about dressage, I was focused totally on the riding. I was given the opportunity to do the second L program we ever had with USDF here in Colorado. And I took that program, enjoyed it, had a great time, and forgot about judging. (laughs) (laughs) um, And just did the schooling show thing. Janet Foy is the whole reason that I'm where I'm at today. She kept poking at me and pushing me and saying, why don't you try to become a licensed judge, a small R? And she literally chased me right up until I entered a small R program. To help her along, she asked Christy Wysocki to push me along, too. So those two ladies I have to credit the most with getting me involved in the judging and much more serious about becoming a judge. And thanks to them, I continued through the program with stops and starts. Uh, once I became a small R, I, I did want to become a large R. Wasn't so sure about the S program. They, again, pushed a little bit, fortunately met a few people in my large R program that became friends, and we decided as friends, we would continue on. Uh, We had a pretty strong group out of the 10 that came through my large R program. Seven of us from that program went through the S this this past year. Wow, so. that's huge and important. You're not the, you're right? not the I, fir- yeah. first person to say that about Janet Foy. She's, you know, yeah. <laughs> she's a force to be reckoned with, with. I think as far as you know, recruiting people to do the different programs. Well, and the S program, especially judging programs, altogether, you need a mentor. It's not an easy thing to go through. It's fi- it's a financial hardship. So you have to decide that you're going to do it that, and put the finances. But you need somebody to talk to and you need somebody who can be encouraging. Um, I will admit that I thought a couple times about not pushing through just because of the time constraints, the financial constraints, and and a little bit um, the environment. Because there's some people who do question your ability to go through the judging program. And whether or not they realize it, they kind of make you feel as if you don't belong. You're not part of what they consider a judge candidate program. And um, when you hit those walls, you have to decide, is it worth it or not? And if it hadn't been for my mentors, the friends I made along the way, I can honestly say I would have dropped out at least twice. 
and uh, great, great mentors uh, kept me going. Uh, Lisa Goretta was president of USDS as I was going through the program, and we became friends at shows, and she kept pushing me as well. She's a really great person and really wanted to push the S program through, and with her help, I stayed focused. Yeah, I mean, that's what it takes is kind of a, you know, build a community so that you have a support system when when you are feeling like you don't belong or or, or whatever. Yeah, you know, you need to be able to pick up the phone and, and get some inspiration or um, some incentive to kind of somebody somebody needs to be in your corner to tell you like, yeah, you, you're good. Just just keep going. Tell us about, you know, the requirements and, and what, were, what were you doing in Wellington this year and, uh, and, and how did you become an S judge? Well, first of all, uh, as you go through the judging program, the, the way the USDF, USDF and USEF have it set up, you have to prove yourself as a rider. So you have to get specific riding scores to, to even enter the small R program and, again, the next level to go to large R. To get into the S program you have had to do at least a minimum of two years in the large R program, uh, or not large R program, but judging as a large R. And you have to have judged enough tests at fourth level to even apply at all to the program. But as a rider, you have to have scores at I-1, I-2, and Grand Prix. And those scores prove that you have the riding ability Therefore, you can relate to being a judge to what's happening in the ring. And uh, that's what holds a lot of people back from going from R to S is whether or not they can get that horse that can get them the scores at I-1, I-2 and Grand Prix. And that's not always easy. You know, again, you get to can you afford a Grand Prix horse? Um, Which routes do you take? Are you training a Grand Prix horse? Are you going to lease one to get those scores? There's a lot of questions that, um, you know, you have to answer for yourself as a rider and as a horse person. Um, I personally, just because of my personality, had to do the training myself. I had to make myself a Grand Prix horse. Um, To me, to just jump on a horse and school the Grand Prix and maybe ride a test wasn't how my mentality works. I had to actually train the horse to do it. Uh, for me, that's the important part. That's why I ride. That's why I love dressage. I love the training and training's everything to me. I go out every day with the idea. I want to help the horse learn. Even if it's a relaxing day, there's always a little training involved just to check the horse out to see, you know, where they are. Um, but that's why I do dressage is to train. So I do like the requirements to get to S, uh, to apply for the program. And then it's, a year-long program. In our case, uh, my group was held back a year because of COVID. <laughs> so yeah. the program we were supposed to start started a year, almost a year later. And um, we started out in Wellington with our training, and then you're off and running to apprentice. A uh, lot easier on us nowadays as, as apprentices because before you would apprentice as an individual, so you had to find a show that would take you, a judge that had the time, and then the judges are judging, and then they have to find time after showing or, or judging all day and after the end of the show to spend time with you. 
And that was really hard on the judges. A few years ago, they started the group apprenticing, where a group of us could get together, hire a judge who's not judging at the show, and then meet them at a show with the permission of the managers and apprentice with that one person. And that person would give us immediate feedback. And you could say more or less we own their time because we paid them for it. And that was the best thing that ever happened was the group apprenticing because you get a lot out of that. And for the S program, you have to go around the country a bit to find those FEI level rides. That's what makes the S program harder is to be able to sit down and have five Grand Prix rides to apprentice and then discuss. And that doesn't happen just anywhere. That's why we were in Wellington so much uh, of the seven of us, we were mostly in the Wellington, Florida area. We caught a couple things in California, but that was hard. It's hard to have enough riders that ride at that high a level to be able to score yeah, and to be able that. to do it a hundred percent, you know, um, because, you know, here in Kentucky, there's two uh, of us that ride Grand Prix. So if, if you come, you, you, you know, you can book a, a show and if there's not enough rides, so that's a really big problem for judges. And, and I think that's like you said, I mean, that's why having a community of people that are going through um, with you is important so that you can, you know, share some expenses and I think that's the biggest thing that you realize as you as as you talk to judges and Phil and I get the opportunity to talk to you guys. Um, is it is really a labor of love, it, and it's very expensive. Same with the certified instructor program; mm-hmm. there are expenses, and and um, but just like any other credentials and licensing, that is part of it. And, um, and I really appreciate it as, as a FEI rider that, that you trained your horses. I, I think that's really important, um, for a Grand Prix, you know, cause it's, it's different to train a Grand Prix horse and, and to get there. So I applaud you on that. I loved your statement on that because I think that's so important because it is a, a big different ball game and, and it's a different game and, and you want judges that understand what you, what you're going through <laughs> and that yes. can be compassionate because Grand Prix versus it's, it's sometimes you get in there and it, it's not going as it, as you hoped or planned. So to have judges that have been there themselves is really important in my opinion. So we're, I'm thankful that you, you did that, but I think that's, that's the hard part. And um, I think if people are looking to be judges, you know, I think you've given some amazing feedback on having a mentor, also having a community, sharing the cost, but also just having a community to bounce uh, rides off of. I think judges and people don't realize that with judges is you guys spend so much time studying. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and how much work it takes uh, to educate your eye at that level? Well, that's part of the the initial part that once you're accepted into the program, then you have to go to the training class. And that was the first time we were down in Wellington. We met down down there with uh, Lilo Four and Janet Foy were our instructors. And um, we actually got to see the horses um, that were going to go on and prepare for the Olympics, right? Uh, we got to see them and uh, and watch them and judge them and give scores. And part of the training is talking. So the instructors talk through it. Then they look at you and they ask you to 
talk about what you're seeing and give a score. And we're each put on the hot seat (laughs) and you learn to formulate your words. The hardest part is the wording, how to say something in in a very few words that's meaningful to the writer Uh, and then giving the correct score. So what was so nice and wonderful about the whole Wellington experience was seeing the different levels at Grand Prix. So you have your, your national level horses, which aren't necessarily the fancy ones, but some of them are very well trained. So they get good scores. And then you're seeing the horses that are going towards the Olympics. And there's that gap of the quality of horses. So if the quality is that different, then the scores have to be that different. And really getting the scores right based on the quality of the horse, the quality of the way the test was written and just being able to focus on the different parts. When we talk about the Grand Prix, of course, is so much more difficult than judging through fourth level because now we're talking about Piaf and Passage and the transitions. And that for me, and I think for most of my colleagues, was the hardest part because we knew how to judge a pirouette. We've been judging that at fourth level, not a full pirouette, but you're still judging that. You know, you know what an extended trot is. You know how to count tempi changes. But the Piaf Passage is is a whole different ball game to watch and understand and formulate your methodology and to think about. That's why the apprenticing part is so important because as you're going through as an apprentice and you're talking to these different judges and instructors that you've hired, they give you their methodologies and they they really help hone your eye. And being put on that hot seat is not fun, but at the same time, it makes you think and get quick because the hardest part about the Grand Prix is being quick and getting those scores down so your poor scribe doesn't fall behind and get get off kilter with you. Because that's the other thing. Everything you do as a judge, you have a scribe sitting there and either handwriting or typing that in, and you don't want them to get lost, so you can't hesitate. And that training year was tremendous. It was probably... I would say at least 10 times more stressful than becoming a large R. Uh, oh, I believe there it. There was so, so much more pressure. And that's pressure that we put on ourselves. I wouldn't say the instructors put pressure on us. Yes, they put us on the hot seat, but that was to get us to think quicker. And I had wonderful instructors the whole way through. As far as the apprenticing, uh, we were very lucky. The group, uh, and we, we mixed our groups up because it depended. With three of us were... Rocky Mountains to the West Coast and four people were more East Coast, but we mixed our groups up. And when you're working with the different people in your group, uh, everybody's different ideas. You start working off of each other and learning from one another. And that's that's a big part of it. The apprenticing is is the only way you can learn. The other thing we do is a lot of sit judging where we just get permission to sit with a judge silently behind them and the scribe. And then that judge, if they have time, will ask you questions uh, after a ride or after the class is over. And they they check to see if you notice certain things. Again, honing your eye, getting a little bit quicker in your head, giving that score, and then listening to the actual judge give the score and being so ecstatic if you're within that half point. You know, um, you know, because if you're within a half point, you know, you're close. If you're more than a point off, then you have to think, 
think, you know, okay, what did I miss? And if you're sitting, then you put a note down to ask that judge later. But that's the training part is, is intense. Uh, you have to dedicate yourself to that. And that's the finances come in because you have to fly everywhere, hotels, Mm -hmm. you you know, just the expense of going, um, when you're dividing up the judges, uh, the judge instructors fees, those get very small in the grand scheme of things when you're dividing that. But the big thing is, it's, it's a lot of time, but it's important time. And it's intense because you don't want to waste a single second of it. You want every moment you can have and just to learn and gain. Uh, Just getting the S license, it's great. But as my fellow colleagues and I have talked about, now we have to get out there and we actually have to judge and we have to (laughs) hone our skills on the spot. Yeah. And then and panel judging is the greatest gift to a judge because it gives you a chance to, after a class, discuss with other judges, okay, did you see this? You know, this is, okay, we were off a point and a half here. Well, what did you see? Well, you know, the different spots when you're panel judging um, give you a different look too. So um, those discussions actually help a lot. So that's what I'm looking forward to uh, is to Mm -hmm. actually go out there and be able to judge now from pre-St. George through Grand Prix and knowing that it's going to count, you know, seeing that I can Mm -hmm. be there in my head quick enough and take all that skill that I worked on for the last year and use it. Well, we are lucky to have you and and I'm nervous. I mean, I'm thinking of what you guys were doing in those boxes, like, oh, that makes me so nervous. (laughs) You know, it is, it is a, it, cause it's a huge responsibility for judging and, you know, Phil and I are, are riders and trainers and, and it is important to have judges that, that, and, and I think hopefully people see that, that it's a lot of work, not something that I would be interested in. I mean, it's, it, oh my, um, but when you guys go and do this, it's, it's a big deal. And you put a lot of time and effort. Um, I think sometimes the judge is like, Oh, that judge hates me or da, da, da. And it's, it's not that way. I mean, the judges really, you guys put a lot of time and energy and, and have a lot of responsibility. So, uh, we're so thankful that you went through the program and you're in a new, wonderful class of best judges. We're really excited for you guys. And how can our listeners find you online if they have any questions or, or, you know, just, just anything about you? Well, the easiest way is uh, they can go to USDF or USEF. And if you look up judges and you look up best judges, uh, I'm in region five. Um, that might narrow it down a bit. Um, I also um, have a website. I'm not really good at updating it, but um, my <laughs> website is, yeah, my website is Kaimana Equestrian, K-A-I-M-A-N-A Equestrian. And then uh, my email is Kaimana, K-A-I-M-A-N-A underscore C-O, like Colorado, at Hotmail.com. And I can be reached at both of those. Great. Well, thank you so much. We're the Healthy Critters Crew. I'm Tigger. I'm Patty. And I'm Coach Jen. If you're a horse lover dog lover, cat lover, llama lover, chicken lover, parrot lover, paw and hooves and feathers lover, Healthy Critters is for you. We have fascinating guests, nutrition tips, information on various critters, and the only talking Pomeranian dog on the radio. Hello, everyone. Join us for our bi-monthly laughter-filled romps on HRN. Brought to you by Biostar US. 
Well, Phil, one of the things we've been doing is kind of getting ready for horse show season. Um, and we've been taking the horses on some field trips. And I have been enjoying taking my Trust Design halter with my little baby horse, Neo. He looks so fancy. He's wearing the roses right now. We changed it up a little bit. But um, he looks so cute. Oh, he put him in the trailer. And I'm like, he gets all, he's got his fancy halter on. It's been fun. So these are really fun halters. We've been, I, I, I took him and my sister was like, where did you get that? And I, of course, told her and told her about the 10% off your order when you use HRN coupon code, HRN, when you go to Trust Design. And uh, they're so fun. So we really enjoyed these halters. We're uh, looking forward to debuting ours at our first show. That'll be the first weekend in June. That's locked in now. I think the horses are entered. So, um, yeah, we'll be sporting those. And uh, and I mean, they they're really colorful. You'll really get you'll really get noticed. And uh, it's nice to be a little bit different. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So trustdesign.com, they have lots of different types of halters and different designs that are so fun. And uh, we hope you enjoy them. And again, for your 10% off your order, you use the HRN coupon code. We want to see your pictures. Put them up on the Facebook page because we always love that. Well, we've got a really fun show because this show is going to come out right before Mother's Day. And Phil and I have had our mamas on. So I felt it was really, um, I wanted to bring a special mom on, Lori Kelly. She's the mom to one of our dear friends, Jody Kelly. And uh, she's been a mom to me too. She's mommed lots of people and she's great. So we hope you enjoy your interview. Well, tonight, I am so excited to have on our Mother's Day show a very special person in my life. She has literally been a second mom to what to me when I see her and in Florida. And she is the mom of one of our favorites on the show, Jody Kelly. We have Lori Kelly on the line. Miss Lori, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for asking me. Oh, we are so excited. You know, I was trying to remember how long... I have known you and, and Jody. I mean, we're talking decades at this point, which I kind of hate to say, but yes. <laughs> it's true. Nice for also old, but it's got to be over 20 years for sure. Yes, for I sure. Think. Over 20 years, which is amazing. Yeah. And, you know, we, we wanted to have you on the show because it's Mother's Day week and moms are such a huge impor- important part. And I'm not saying dads, but this week we're celebrating mamas. And mm-hmm. you have been one of those mamas that have literally been with Jody from the time she got on a pony to, to now where she competes internationally. She is amazing. FEI rider trainer and, um, you know, off a huge supporter of our show and a friend of mine. And so we wanted to kind of talk about, you know, yourself and how Jody got started riding and, and what that was like for you. So I'll let you, let you tell us a little bit about yourself first. Well, I started riding as a child a long time ago in Japan, and then I kept on riding. And that's really what happened with her when, when she was born, she used to, um, when she, I mean, babe, not when she was born, but she was probably two or less. She had to go to the barn with me to do my barn work. And so we bought her a Shetland pony and a Western saddle and sat her up there while I did all my barn work. And she would sit there literally for two hours and go wherever the pony went. Um, <laughs> and my barn work. 
and and he would wander around the barn, wander through the aisles, walk you know, and, and go around. I'd finish up my barn work, and we would unpack him and go home. That's how she started. And then we bought her a pony, like a real pony that could do something a little bit. A little a bit, couple, a little bit uh, more than four. a babysitter, yeah. yeah babysitter. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, it was. I mean, he was a babysitter too. But then we were at a show, and um, it was. I had my horse there, and there was adorable little pony Chip, who you probably remember. Mm-hmm. Too, but and I kind of stalked those people until they were ready to sell him, and um, and that's her first real pony. That and she did dressage. We did potty dance with him, and and that was her beginning. So. And then just we just kind of fell into each one after that. Each horse kind of it just was meant to be when you're in the right place, right time. So that's yeah. how that's how she got started. So oh my gosh, I I I knew you rode, but I didn't realize she rode a pony around the around the bar. That's such a good story. I can I can We're see it happening. He just had, <laughs> we put a halter and we drove in a western saddle. And, and about the second year we were doing that, she was probably two, maybe three. Two and a half, I guess. We gave her a little crop so she could get him to walk. She <laughs> <laughs> got out of, out of the stand position or just the wandering position. She could get him to go a little bit. But no, she did spend her first several years just hanging around the barn. Then, then she started to ride and she's not stopped since, as you know. Yeah, she really hasn't. So, I mean... I- you guys have just the amazing, really an amazing group of people at the barn. So how, how did it transition into your team pink? I mean, how did it, how did you transition to that? And and you've been such a support throughout that. What has that been like her kind of transitioning to a professional rider, which is years it, ago know, now, but it, it is, it is years ago, but it's been the best. It's really been the best experience and it grew on its own. It was just one of those, um, those pink was always her color. As a child, she always wanted a pink telephone, and then she wanted everything pink. So that's where the pink came from. And then we started, we one time, I think, had everybody had pink shirts on, and everybody was in the golf cart at the same time. And I think Nico was an announcer and saw us go by and said something about, here comes Team Pink. <laughs> so he was actually <laughs> making fun of us, but um, but it stuck. <laughs> so, and so now we've taken it to a whole new level, the pink thing, as you know, so... But the people have been, it really and truly, the, the people, our barn family is also our family family, too. We've just all made this a huge family affair. And and, and she's had the most amazing support from, from friends and clients and family. It's been unbelievable, honestly. So I'd like to just ask you about how, you know, you got her involved with the with the right mentors and the right coaches and the right you know, because that's a big part of it. All, all parents want to support their kids, but but you know, in that way, they've got to got to connect their kid to to a coach. Like my mom would never try to teach me. Well, may, may, maybe in the first couple of years, but I can't remember those. But you know what I mean? Like you've got to transition your child to somebody who's you know going to be there as a coach, so that the mother can you know step into the mothering role and and not be coach slash mother. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. It's difficult to teach your own kids for sure. But we ended up, again, this was just one of those, it's a curse and a blessing at the same time because we live at the beach. It is a vast wasteland of horses. There's nothing here. It was nothing here. Zero. There was no, there are no horses, no feed, no hay, no tech shops, no nothing. And so 
in a way, that was a good thing because we had to start bringing people here. And so we started with Yes Severance, bringing him here once a month and just teaching her. And then, you know, and then once you, once you build two stalls and you need a third stall for a friend, and then it just grew and grew and grew. And now we've got yeah. 32 stalls. Yeah, <laughs> so I was going to say, now you have a huge barn. <laughs> yeah. But the, what, how we really, Yos was fantastic with her as a little girl. And, um, and then we were in, this was probably the other biggest milestone is that we were in Amsterdam at the World Equestrian Games and we, with Yos, went to the stallion tent where all the young stallions were and met Tuan Hoos and through Yos because they're from the same town. And then just chatting with them, they were on their way to Florida going to Miami. And we said, you don't want to go to Miami. You want to go to the beach in Destin. <laughs> so Tuan came here with his wife. And so that's been the whole story since then. She went back to, he came here from Holland and then she went back the next summer. And um, I stayed four weeks with her. And then when I was getting ready to leave, they invited her to stay a little bit longer. Because Tuan had been taking her to Anki von Grunson's every day. And so she had Anki and Tuan. And so I, and then when I got ready to leave, she didn't want to go home with me. <laughs> so, <laughs> at 12. So, so I lost all my mother of the year points forever when I left my 12 year old in Holland with Tuan and Ingrid to go to Anki von Grunson's every day. And I came home, but she did not even bat an eye when I went to leave. It was like, bye, mom. So, yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> so she went every summer after that till she was 20, I guess. Yeah. And Twana and Ingrid, um, they were very special people. Like, they're amazing. Oh, they were and so had amazing. Family. Was yeah. truly like a mother to her. And the kids, mm-hmm. they had little kids. But she had no mm-hmm. siblings, so she grew up at Twan and Ingrid's for, like, the whole summer learning what it's like to have brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. Ingrid was fantastic to her. And then she went to Anki's every morning and worked and slept and washed and tucked up and came to Twans and rode young horses every afternoon. So it was the, it was just the best of everything for her. So she was just, it was just lucky. It was just sort of the right, the right time, right place. Yeah. It all worked out. It's, it's, it's so cool. And, and, and again, allowing your daughter to do that as well. I mean, as you know, my mom did the same. I also had the experience to go overseas and I mean, it totally changed my life and in so many yeah. good ways. And I, yeah. you know, that it's, it's a different discussion too. And, and maybe a little bit different time now than now when we went years ago, but I mean, it's amazing. A hundred percent. Yeah. I totally agree with you. But then it didn't seem like, it seemed like the right thing to do to me. Obviously it was not the right thing from my mother's perspective, but, (laughs) but, um, you know, living with a family, I mean, it was an amazing experience and young horses and then shopping for horses, um, for Tuan, because that's what he does. So she learned to get a better eye and it was, it was all great. Yeah. So, you know, just, just to, to all the moms out there, what is, would be your kind of biggest piece of advice if your daughter says, mama, I want to ride and mama, I want to go to the Olympics and train, be a trainer. What would be some, some advice you would give them? You know, I, I do give advice because I have a lot of moms that are in the (laughs) barn and I, I, you know, I, I really feel like they shouldn't bat an eye at pursuing this for their kids the best they can do and they don't have to have the 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 most expensive horse but the best you can afford and and get them involved in 
and just be part of it. We It turned out to be a complete family affair for us. We all had different mm-hmm. locations, but we all, the barn was what tied us all together as a family, too. I think it's the best thing you can do for your kids. They, You very seldom see a bad horsey kid, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. They, sure. you know, when they get their driver's license, they, as you know, they sort of disappear. Some come back and some don't, but they've spent their first teenage years with us riding and working, and I think it's great. I, I would tell every mother if they had a child interested to do it. Yeah. Well, again, you know, we all grew up all together, you and my mom and, and, you know, we've all stayed friends for many, many years and it's been so fun to grow up and and now we're all professional riders and still, you know, still it's a family affair and, and it's wonderful. So thank you so much for coming on. We wish you a very, very happy mother's day thank you. and I can't wait calling. to see you guys Completely. soon. Oh, um, we'd love it. Thank you so much. It was so special to have right. you on. Well, as always, we love email and Facebook shout outs. Keep them coming. And seriously, we want to see pictures on the Facebook page of your horses and their trust design halters that will make us smile um, because we we do this for you guys and we always enjoy it. And just a reminder, uh, we're still working on the book club of the month or book club of the quarter, probably. Uh, Gerd Heuschman's Balancing Act. You can get it at horseandriderbooks.com. Great, great book. I hope you're going to enjoy it. It's going to bring some good discussion. So um, feel free to reach out to us as well. That would be great. And as always, the United States Dressage Federation is your connection to dressage education, competition, and achievement. Visit usdf.org for more information. That's usdf.org, the online destination for dressage. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is probably through Facebook, or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a good show. That's Kentucky Performance Products, Horse Report System, and Trust Design. That's T-R-V-S-T, Design. If you'd like to support our show and the Horse Radio Network, you can do that through the auditor program found at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we look forward to next week. 